Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Caught me doing some quick prep. Well, welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be back with you again this morning. Um, look, I I've got something that I want to talk to you about before we get into the Word today that I haven't addressed yet because I kind of decided, well, you know what? I'm just not going to say anything about it. And that is Juneteenth. I kind of made up my mind that not, you know, I'm just not going to get into it. I'm just not going to talk about it because I'll tell you why. But I've decided as today, as of today, that I would. And what what prompted me to do it was I looked at a couple of articles this morning, and um, I thought, you know, this is something that really does need to be addressed. There were two. One, one was Angela Bassett. You all know she's an actress. I was talking about Juneteenth and talking about the fact that, you know, it wasn't until June 19th that, that slaves in Texas found out about the Emancipation Proclamation two years earlier. And somebody else said it wasn't until June 19th that all the slaves in Texas were freed. Well... First of all, that's bad history. Okay, it's bad history. So let me let me just say at the at the outset, I don't have an objection to people celebrating Juneteenth. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. I do have a problem with it becoming a, a federal national holiday because it's a Texas tradition. It has nothing to do with the rest of the country. And I think the only reason why it's a federal holiday is that the Democrats wanted to pander to the natives, basically. They just want you know, give these black people something. Maybe that'll, you know, keep them in our camp and quiet them down. Yeah, give them Juneteenth. And most people don't have a clue what Juneteenth is all about. Not a clue. So let me just back up and say we don't need another federal holiday, and that, that's part of my issue. And my organizations are certainly not going to be taking the day off. We're going to be working. And I think uh, a lot of businesses are going to take that attitude. I mean, come on. But if Texas wanted to do it, I'd say, praise God, have, have at it. Good, great. Because it, it, it could be kind of a Texas thing, you know, that, that um, the Union troops marched into Texas on June 19th and, and, uh, and, and practiced as a practical matter, freed all the slaves that were still in bondage there. And I guarantee you, there were a lot of slaves that had already run away. So, so let me just back up and just give you a little bit of the history and tell you why this is just pandering and is specious, okay? Now, some people picked up Juneteenth from others, heard about it, it had nothing to do with them, it had nothing to do with Virginia, it has nothing to do with the other, the other southern slate, states or confederate states. But some people picked up on it, and, and of course, people are always lo looking for a reason to party, so it became another reason to party, another reason to have a celebration. But now, it's just another reason to pander to the woe is me, and I'm a victim, and my ancestors were slaves. And, I mean, it's, it, to me, that it's just part of that whole narrative, okay? That, you know, once again, look, they, they didn't even free the slaves until June 19th. And so look, first of all, let me, let me back up and say anybody who thinks 
that the black folks in Texas did not know about the Emancipation Proclamation and did not know about the end of the Civil War is historically ignorant. Because I guarantee you, they did. They did. And the reason is that the slave community had developed a kind of internal communications network. Because you have to remember, slaves traveled. Now, most probably stayed wherever they were placed, wherever they were, they were enslaved, but there were many slaves who traveled. They traveled with their masters, and sometimes they traveled long distances. I mean, if you read the history of George Washington, you know that he brought slaves with him from Virginia up to D.C. Thomas Jefferson took slaves with him to France. When they traveled, they took their slaves with them. Well, slaves talked to each other. I mean, the masters didn't watch them 24-7. They talked to each other. They shared information. They heard things. Here's what's happening here. Here's what's happening there. I mean, there are stories about the slaves discussing what, what it meant for the Declaration of Independence to be signed. Slaves knew about it, and they were hoping that it meant the end of their bondage. Of course, we know it would take another hundred years for almost for that to happen. But, but that's what they were thinking because they knew about the signing of the Declaration of Independence and they knew what it said, that all men are created equal. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed two years before, quote unquote, Juneteenth, okay? And the idea that the slave population didn't know about it is utterly preposterous. I don't care where they were. Of course they knew about it. And over a two-year period, are you kidding me? Of course they knew about it. But here's the thing you've got to understand, and this is what these idiots don't. I mean, these people who are just, you know, mouthing and just, in other words, here again, looking for another reason. We're victims. We're victims. See, see, this proves it. We're victims. When Abraham Lincoln signed the Declaration of Independence, I'm sorry, forgive me. When Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, you, you have to remember two things about it. Number one, as a practical matter, the Emancipation Proclamation didn't free any slaves. It didn't. Now, why is that? Because the Emancipation Proclamation applied to the states in rebellion, the Confederate states, and Lincoln had no control over them. Now, I'm not saying he didn't sincerely by that time believe that slavery had to end because, of course, he was against slavery from the very beginning. And when the Civil War started, slavery was secondary to him and holding the Union together was his primary responsibility as he saw it. But I think as the war dragged on, he came to realize it was not going to be possible to, for this Civil War to be prosecuted without it including bringing an end to slavery. And I think that was the conviction of his heart anyway, but as president of the United States, his primary concern was preserving the union. And by the way, can I back up here a second and say the Civil War, while the primary triggering issue was slavery, 
People think this is revisionist history, what I'm about to say, but it's not. The Civil War wasn't only about slavery. It wasn't. Now, yes, that was a primary precipitating factor, but it was only a primary precipitating factor in the sense that it highlighted the different cultures that had happened, uh, that had grown up in the North and the South and how these two regions of the country had become so very distinctly different and, 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 and therefore, to the extent that the federal government or federal laws seek to impose or restrict or control what the Southern states did that were in complete contradiction to what was happening in the North, particularly on this issue of slavery, it highlighted another important issue. And the other important issue is how much power does the federal government have to impose its rules, its laws on, a, on, on states? That was, that was an issue that really had not been resolved. You have to remember that at the time the Civil War started in 1860, the country wasn't even 100 years old. So that was one issue. How much power does the federal government have to impose its will on the states? You say, well, Bishop Jackson, you're there because that the only issue was slavery. That's not true. Andrew Jackson had a confrontation when he was president. How many years earlier was that? Uh, I think 12, 15 years earlier. Um, he had a confrontation with South Carolina. Let me get the date for that because I don't want to, I want to be imprecise about that. But he had a confrontation with South Carolina about tariffs. And basically he was imposing tariffs on the export of goods to foreign countries. And South Carolina particularly thought that that was egregious because of course the South was a major exporter of agricultural goods, South Carolina was one of the big exporters of, of agricultural goods and South Carolina did not want tariffs imposed upon them because they thought that it would inhibit their economic vitality and growth and well-being. And South Carolina threatened to secede from the union over this issue. Had nothing to do with slavery, had to do with tariffs. And it was this underlying issue how much control does the federal government have over the states? To what extent can it impose its laws, its will on the states? South Carolina was at that point saying, you don't have any authority to impose anything on us. And the president of the United States was saying, no, the federal government does, and we will, and I will. And when South Carolina threatened to secede, Andrew Jackson said, if you secede, I will come in there and I will by force of arms bring you to heel. In other words, you could argue there was almost the start of a civil war over a entirely different issue, it had nothing to do with slavery. Now, how, how much do you think that's taught? I just gave you the truth. But, but our children are being taught that because they're not being taught the complexities of our history. They're not being taught that it's not one dimensional. 
they're being taught it's all about slavery. America was founded on slavery. America was exists to preserve slavery. America was racist. I mean, that's all you know. And that's all you need to know. But South Carolina was threatening to secede over an issue that had absolutely nothing to do with slavery. It had to do with whether they had to submit to the laws imposed upon them by the federal government. So that was an outstanding issue that kind of under girded and underlied the, uh, the, 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 the civil war and the issue of slavery was that was the precipitating factor at that point, of course, but earlier it was, it was tariffs that almost precipitated a, a, a violent confrontation between the federal government and the state. And by the way, if South Carolina had come into a confrontation, it's likely that other states would have joined in and you could have seen maybe not what we ultimately saw, a four-year civil war, but you certainly could have seen a major confrontation between the federal government and states having nothing to do with slavery. So the civil war wasn't only about slavery. But that's the canard, that's the lie. That's it, you know, America's just one dimensional racist, slaveholding, and everything in America is about racism. Well, here's the second issue. And I think the Civil War resolved this issue, at least for the last 150 years it has, and I think it's probably resolved it for all time. Is the United States of America an indissoluble union or is it more a union of convenience from which any state may withdraw when they feel like it or when they feel they can no longer be a part of it? So you have to remember, the federal government didn't create the states. The states created the federal government. The states came together at a constitutional convention and created this thing we call a constitutional republic. Not a democracy, by the way, but I won't get off into that one. They came together and created this thing we call a constitutional republic. When Ben Franklin came out and Mrs. Powell asked him, what have you given us? He said, a republic. He didn't say a democracy. He said, a republic, if you can keep it. You'll never hear Democrats quote that because they like the idea of democracy because really what they mean is we want mob rule. We want the majority to just decide everything. And if we can take California, New York, and cobble together a majority, we can have whatever we want, do whatever we want. We can kill all the babies we want. We can change marriage. We can have bestiality. We can have pedophilia. We can have whatever we want. And I don't think that's an exaggeration for some of them either. But a constitutional republic says the majority doesn't simply rule. Most things are decided by majority vote, but not everything. That's why we have an electoral college because we wanted the president to represent not only the people, but he wanted, we wanted the president to be representatives of the states as well. And if you have a popular vote only, then the smaller states are ultimately ignored. They have no real say because they don't have the population that would allow them to have any say. So by having a bifurcated system where it's the popular vote and the electoral college, you give the smaller states an opportunity to weigh in and have their voices heard. So we don't really elect the president by majority vote. We elect the president by a combination of individual voting and electoral college. And that was the design and it was brilliant. 
And the, they, the left wants to do with that, do away with that, because they like these smaller states like Montana, smaller in population, like Montana, Wyoming, uh, and, and, you know, particularly the ones that aren't, aren't leftists, like Vermont and, and, uh, and Massachusetts. They want them to have no say. The, 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 the red states, they have no say. And if it's just a popular vote, you can just basically steamroll over the smaller states. And the founding fathers knew that. By the way, George Washington presided over the Constitutional Convention. He didn't have a lot to say as the, as the president of the convention, but he presided over it. And you all know some of the figures that were in it. Well, Virginia was the largest state in the union, and the Virginia delegation went along with a system that limited the power of Virginia to control the union. But there's a reason why the first uh, four or five, um, uh, first, well, I think four out of the first five, uh, Washington, Jefferson, Madison, and Monroe. So four out of the first five presidents were Virginians. And there's a reason for that. But we haven't had a Virginia president in a long time. And Virginia is no longer the largest state in the union in terms of population. Now, I don't mean to get in the weeds on all this, but this is important history. So the second issue that was at stake was, is the union indissoluble? Can we break up and each state go its separate way? Or no? And the Civil War answered that question with a resounding no. The union is indissoluble. It cannot break up. Because as I pointed out, South Carolina was threatening to break it up over tariffs. Well, what would be the next issue? And the next issue, and the next issue. So I just wanted to get that on the table because see, this is part of the problem. Part of the problem is that the left wants us to view America through the lens of one thing, slavery. That's it. That's it. Well, that's stupid. Because just life, like life is more complex. You can't understand my life by looking at one aspect of it. I can't understand your life by looking at one aspect of it. You got to look at multiple factors to understand. I mean, for example, I hear this all the time and you all have heard me address it. America was built on the backs of slaves. I say, that is such a lie. Slavery held America back. It didn't propel us. It held us back. Now, sure, there was easy to come by labor in the South for, for, the, for, for planting and harvesting and getting crops to market. There was easy labor, but it, it was culturally disastrous. Because folks, and this is the truth, it bred laziness in the, in the, 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 the slave masters it bred joblessness in the poor people who didn't have land and property and didn't own slaves because what do you need a, a free Irishman for? What do you need a free Italian for? What do you need a free German for when you've already got slaves to do your work? I mean, many slave masters even trained slaves as skilled laborers so they could send them out to do work. They could undercut the prices of free people 
and make money off the slave because the slave didn't have to get anything. Although apparently in the normal course, the slave was paid a portion of whatever they earned as an incentive to do a good job for them. So they trained slaves to be blacksmiths and, and to be uh, workers in various kinds of, of arts, bricklayers and all that stuff. Slaves were trained because the master could make money off of them. Another reason why word traveled, because these artisans, these slave artisans, would be able to, they had more freedom, if you will, than most slaves. And they would go places, they were interacting with whites, they were interacting with, with other slaves, and they were taking word from, about where they came from, and then hearing things from other slaves about things that they had heard, and so forth. So there was a grapevine in the slave community. So those were two underlying issues that the Civil War was fought about. It wasn't just about slavery. Now, no question, slavery is the predominant issue because it is the triggering factor, if you will. But to say that it was only about slavery is just historical inaccuracy. It really is. Particularly given the evidence I've just shown you of, uh, of Andrew Jackson almost going to war with South Carolina over tariffs. And it was no small thing. Let's see. Yeah, Andrew Jackson. Uh, okay, he, he left the presidency in 1837. So I said 1520 years. Uh, it would have been more like, because uh, Abraham Lincoln was elected in 1860. So it would have been more like 25 years. So, but just think how much earlier that was, long before the Civil War, that Andrew Jackson ended up in a confrontation with South Carolina and a threat of South Carolina to secede um, over tariffs. Just think about that. So my point is, it really is more complex than people make it. So now let's come specifically to Juneteenth, okay? That's right. So the first time nullification, by the way, was mentioned, it's a reminder, first time nullification was mentioned, you know, nullification is often brought up as a racist concept, but nullification was, was talked about the first time uh, when South Carolina threatened to nullify uh, Andrew Jackson's, uh, the, 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 um, the tariff law that was passed, that Andrew Jackson was prepared to enforce, and, and South Carolina passed an ordinance of nullification to say that they did not have to obey that tariff. They did not have to adhere to that. So see, nullification is often associated with racism. Had, the first time it was used had nothing to do with race, had to do with economics. You, you see what I'm getting at? But, but see, that's why I say American history is beautiful if you actually study it as opposed to just listening to these airheads who want to use it to convince us all that America's a horrible country. So at any rate, I, I'll, I'll review some of that history. It's been a while since I've, I've looked at that. I'll review some of that history and maybe share that with you at another time. So let's, let's come back specifically because I'm not going to be able to get to, to the word today. Let's come back specifically then to Juneteenth. So Abraham Lincoln passes the Emancipation Proclamation, I think that was June 3rd, 1863, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to all the slave states. It didn't. 
because Abraham Lincoln knew that the Emancipation Proclamation in and of itself is not going to free a single slave. Okay, let me say that again. Please share this with any people you know who, who don't know this history and they say all kinds of dumb things. Abraham Lincoln knew that the Emancipation Proclamation was, as a practical matter, not going to free a single slave. Not one. Because where the Emancipation Proclamation applied to the Confederate States, the Confederate States already had their own president, they already had their own Congress, they already had their own leadership, and they weren't paying any attention to Abraham Lincoln because they considered him president of a separate country. So they weren't about to free any slaves based on an Emancipation Proclamation. But here's what it did do as a practical matter. Number one, it meant that anywhere the Union won, any territory that the Union took, they freed the slaves in that territory. And often those slaves attached themselves to, to the Union Army. As you all know, I'm, I, I don't live far from Fort Monroe. Many of them were brought to Fort Monroe and housed there. That's how, that's how the city of Hampton, uh, the black community of the city of Hampton, I don't know how many of those folks descend back to um, our descendants of those, those slaves that ended up being settled in Fort Monroe. But, but that's sort of the background history of Hampton, Virginia. Now, so no slaves as a practical matter were freed, but when the Union Army marched into an area and was able to win and take over, then the slaves in that area were set free by the Emancipation Proclamation, okay? So as a practical matter, they weren't set free unless the Union Army came in and won some territory, and then they were able to free slaves in that territory. Here's the second practical effect it had which tells me, which, which is why I say, the idea that these slaves in Texas didn't know anything about the Emancipation Proclamation is ridiculous. It gave the slaves a reason to escape because they knew now that they didn't have to escape all the way to the North. They didn't have to escape to Canada. They knew that if they, if they found a Union camp, if they found a Union army and they got there, they were free. For all practical purposes, at that point, they were free because they were then under the protection of the Union Army and the Union Army would enforce the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, why would the slaves escape if they hadn't heard about the Emancipation Proclamation? We didn't have telephones. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, uh, it, well, I guess the telegraph was in existence at that point. But there was no mass communication. How did they hear about it? They heard it through the grapevine. They heard it through the grapevine, through the slave grapevine. People passed along things that they heard. Those slaves in Texas knew that the Emancipation Proclamation had been is issued two years before, but like any other state, without a Union army there to enforce it, it was meaningless unless you escaped and you could then find aid and comfort in a Union camp, okay? Now, here's the thing. But in the states of Delaware, Kentucky, Maryland, and Missouri, those were southern slave states that did not secede from the Union, and the Emancipation Proclamation specifically exempted those states. Do you think those slaves hadn't heard about the Emancipation Proclamation? Of course they had. 
Of course they had. Didn't apply to them. Why? Because Abraham Lincoln didn't want to give those states a reason to secede from the Union and join the South. It could have made the difference between winning and losing. Imagine if Delaware, Kentucky, Maryland, and Missouri had all said, we're going with the Confederacy. Imagine what that would have done to Abraham Lincoln. Imagine that would have, what that would have done to the Union forces. Leaving aside the practical impact, how about the demoralization of having those states, four states, all go to the Confederacy? He didn't want to give them a reason to do that, and so he, wouldn't, he didn't touch slavery in their territories. Well, why doesn't Delaware, Kentucky, Maryland, and Missouri have a, some kind of whatever? <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be Juneteenth for them because that, that's not when the Union Army showed up. Now, look, let me say this as I prepare to close. I, I'm not going to get to the word today because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to truncate this down to 30 minutes. I'm, I'm not going to probably get that done today either, but I'm, I'm going to get as close as I can. Here's the thing that we all need to understand that the real, if you wanted to really celebrate a national holiday, okay, a national holiday that commemorated the end of slavery, it wouldn't be Juneteenth. It would be one of two dates, and it wouldn't be the Emancipation Proclamation because I've just explained to you as a practical matter, it didn't free anybody. It would be one of two dates, April 9th, 1865, the day that Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox Courthouse, because that was officially the end of slavery. As a practical matter, that doesn't mean every slave was free. We know that. It, that, that took time for, for that to get worked out, but that was... As a practical matter, that was the point at which slavery was over in America. Now, that might be a little bit of a controversial holiday to celebrate. But here's another one. That would be a national holiday with national significance. December 6, 1865. That's the day the 13th Amendment was passed. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. That's when involuntary servitude was outlawed as unconstitutional in the United States of America. That's the, that's the real legal end, the legal end to slavery for all time. That's it. Let me see if I can find it really quick, quickly here. Yeah, here it is, um, and read it to you. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime wherever, uh, the, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That's the official end. That's a national holiday if you wanted to have one. I'm not advocating for a national holiday, another national holiday, but I'm saying 
Most people in America don't even know about December 6th. It was ratified on December 6th, 1865. Most people don't even know about that date. Juneteenth. Here again, I'm not knocking Juneteenth. I'm just saying, if you're going to do something like this, instead of pandering with a whole bunch of half-baked history, why don't you do something that's meaningful? Every American ought to know about December 6, 1865, the day the 13th Amendment to the Constitution was ratified, which made slavery in America forever illegal. Well, no, no, we, we don't, we don't, we don't know anything about that because we've been too busy partying on Juneteenth. Uh, you know, my father used to say this to me. He would say, son, people will tell you what you don't know will hurt you. He said, but that's a lie. Son, what you don't know will get you killed. You know, ignorance is not bliss. It's dangerous. It really is because once again, to me, what this does is it substitutes real substance, substance, real truth, real history for a bunch of pandering, stylish, voguish, you know, celebratory nothing. Nobody really understands the history. Nobody really even cares. We got Juneteenth now. Does that make them happy? Yeah, I think a lot of them are really happy with Juneteenth. Oh, good. Because, you know, on Juneteenth is when they found out the, about the Emancipation Proclamation two years later. I mean, what? That's preposterous. And here we ignore... December 6, 1865, which is the date of ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, which completely and totally banned and outlawed slavery and involuntary servitude in America forever. That didn't exist on June 19th of 1865. On June 20th of 1865, I'm just speculating, I'm just spinning here, but on June 20th of 1865, had there been some kind of secret insurrection or some kind of nascent Ku Klux Klan or some kind of subversive guerrilla warfare group that would have thrown the Union back on their heels, vitiated the... um, the, the end of the Civil War, uh, the, the surrender signed by Robert E. Lee, you could have had a situation in which people would have been thrown right back into slavery. Now, here again, I, that was as a practical matter. We know that wasn't going to happen. But I'm just saying there was no legal pres- proscription against it. All it was was force of arms forcing people to stop enslaving others. That's all it was. But there was no legal proscription. There was no legal agreement. That didn't happen until December 6th of 1865. Why wouldn't we celebrate that as a major milestone in our history? And I guarantee you ask the average kid, what's the significance of the date December 6th, 1865? 
and they look at you like you got two heads. But everybody knows about Juneteenth. It's style over substance. It's pandering over real principle. It's trendiness over truth. And it doesn't help the country, not one bit. We just have what I, in my view, is, is a holiday that if, if Texans want to celebrate it, like I said, God bless them. I'm not against it. I'm not saying, wow, nobody should be celebrating Juneteenth. If it's a significant date for people in Texas, God bless them. Go at it. It is not a significant date for the country. The date I just gave you could be. Well, look, I hope you'll support us in this. My organization, Staying True to America's National Destiny, has declared September uh, Celebrate American History Month. And one of the things we try to do in September is to highlight these truths about history, uh, about American history, to point out the nobility of our history, to point out the, the, the glory and the grandeur of our history, the good things about our history that are not really being taught anymore in our public schools or our colleges and universities because they're too busy following the idiot um, uh, Howard Zinn and uh, his people's history of the United States of America was nothing but a polemic intended to convince people to hate their own country. And that's what colleges and universities and high schools are for the most part, uh, and, and public schools are for the most part doing, teaching people to hate America, that America is not even a legitimate country. America was built on slavery. America stole the land from Indians. Indians had no, no property rights between themselves or anybody else. They were fighting each other over land all the time. I mean, so this idea, somehow we stole the land from people who had no concept of property rights or stealing land. It's here again, just intended to just make America look bad and make us look like we're a bunch of racists and we're a bunch of, you know, just, just utter ignorance. And I'll tell you something, we can't afford to demoralize our country because we don't know what we're facing with communist China, with Iran, with North Korea. Uh, we've got a lot of internal problems that we're facing. The last thing in the world we need is to convince most of our citizens that America is not worth standing up for, that the flag, that the national anthem are not worth respecting because America is such a bad place. And it goes back to ignorance about our history and buying into a bunch of lies about our history. And I've just shared with you some things that, here again, I guarantee the average student doesn't know because they don't want to teach it to them. They want to teach them how ugly America is and how racist America is and how America had slavery. And as I pointed out before, every nation that's ever existed on the face of the earth, somewhere or, or in a, every continent, because of course the nation state is a fairly recent phenomenon. These people were tribes and, and they were, were uh, you know, kind of, uh, territories controlled by warlords and that kind of thing. There wasn't, there wasn't the state as we know it today. If you go back far enough, there was very, there were very few organized states around the world. Um, but nevertheless, there was slavery everywhere. It was universal. 
as I pointed out, and this idea that somehow, oh, America, America so horrible, so bad, America has slaves. I mean, give me a break. Here again, built based on, on sheer ignorance. As America came into existence at a time when the world hadn't even reached the point of moral understanding of the evil of slavery, America helped teach the world that. The rest of the world wasn't thinking, oh, slavery's evil, we gotta stop it. That debate was happening here in our country and in Western Europe. The rest of the world wasn't thinking about it. I look at these, what are these stupid Europeans and Americans talking about? What's wrong with having slaves? Well, here we were wrenching our guts out about it and trying to figure out how to get rid of it. <clears throat> and our founding fathers were writing about how to get rid of it, how to end it. That wasn't happening in the rest of the world. How about that? We inherited from the rest of the world, but we transcended the, 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 the moral turpitude of the rest of the world and said, wait a minute, there's something inherently wrong with this and we've got to stop. And that's because the Judeo-Christian conscience of our nation compelled us to honor the words of our declaration and the words of the Bible that we should not be hurting, harming, subjugating, using other people for our own self-aggrandizement and our own selfish and greedy ends. Americans came to that. The rest of the world would look on wondering what is, what's wrong with us. How about celebrating that? Well, that's what Celebrate American History is going to be all about. So you, you pray for us. We'll tell you more as we get closer to it about what we're, going to do, what we're going to do during Celebrate American History Month, okay? But God bless each and every one of you. Stay in the fight. I hope you found this illuminating. I hope you found it helpful. Share it with somebody who's maybe been inculcated with these ideas, these stupid, crazy ideas that have absolutely no foundation in true history and no foundation in truth, period. In the meantime, remember that we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's